Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, what's up, everybody? It's so good to see all of your faces this morning. Hey, what if, a question for you, what if when people thought of you, they thought of wisdom? What if when they saw your face or heard your name, they uh, immediately, what came to mind is a person that they would describe as thoughtful, uh, discerning, perceptive, wise? What if you were a person that people came to for advice on how to live and how to live well, how to make good decisions? What if when you spoke, people paid attention? Now, I don't know what people think of when they think of you, nor do I know really exactly how much we should care, but let's just say for the moment that there's a sense in which we should care a little bit about what others think of us, because what others think of us might be in some way related to who we actually are. So thinking about that, again, what if when people thought of you, they thought of wisdom? Or maybe better, what if when you thought of yourself, you thought of wisdom? Not that you'd describe yourself as wise, you'd be too wise for that, but that if you were honest, you would have to admit that you'd grown in wisdom over the years, and that if you were using words to describe yourself, you probably wouldn't even say it out loud, but you might say that on balance, yeah, you're fairly thoughtful, deceptive, discerning, wise. What if you knew yourself to be, relatively speaking, wise? I don't know what you all want in life, but I'm gonna make the assumption this morning that there's at least a piece of every single one of us that wants wisdom. But are we willing to do whatever it takes to get it? And my point this morning, I think, is fairly simple. Wisdom is worth the work necessary to get wisdom. Now, it's not the cleanest statement I've ever made, so it's not the kind of thing I necessarily expected to walk out remembering. I mean, wisdom is worth the work. That's easy enough to keep in mind. But the idea that I'd like to think together with you about is just that. Wisdom is worth whatever it takes, and it's gonna take something. It's gonna be work. Wisdom is worth the work necessary to get wisdom. So that's my point this morning, but here's my question. And in this case, I think maybe the question is as important, if not more so than the point. The question is, do you want to be a wise person? We've been in a series on the pursuit of wisdom these last few weeks. It's been really good to learn from the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, various aspects of of life under God's uh, rule and of what it means to be a wise person uh, in relationship to what he's revealed about himself and all those things. And we're continuing along the same line. And today what I want to talk about is how to grow in wisdom. And really all I want to do is offer what I think are three necessities uh, of a person who's growing in wisdom. No doubt there's more we could say about this, but I think this will do for the moment. So three things that must be in place in our life if we're going to be persons who grow in wisdom. First one's fairly obvious. You probably guess it yourself. To grow in wisdom, we must value wisdom. Has to be a thing that's important to us. Has to be high on our list of priorities. I think we'll probably grow in wisdom to the extent that wisdom is high on our list of things that matter. Now, I want to acknowledge off the top that, like, wisdom isn't always the thing that seems most immediately relevant. It's not always the thing that, like, seems most desirable. Like, you think about if you were calling a a younger person to grow in wisdom. I mean, it's just not super exciting. It's not super fun, you know? Like, you don't hear kids who say, hey, when I grow up, I want to be wise. And if you did, it'd be kind of weird. Like, that'd be cool, but it'd be kind of weird. It almost seems like telling somebody to pursue wisdom is like saying, I want you to eat Cheerios every day for breakfast for the rest of your life. And not the honey nut ones, but the regular ones that smell funny and taste like cardboard. Like, that's what you're going to do. On the surface, doesn't seem like the most exciting thing. And yet, Scripture is pretty clear from start to finish that wisdom is valuable. 
Wisdom is critically important. You see this in story form, and you've, we've been reminded these last couple of weeks of the time when Solomon, who became to be known as the wisest man alive, right? Like when Solomon first took the throne and became the king of Israel, God came down to him and said, hey, I will give you whatever it is that you want. And I wonder sometimes if we think enough about what this would actually be like. This is like all those genie in a bottle type scenes that we've created. This is the reality behind that. And to my knowledge, it only happened once. Like God came down to Solomon, said, I'll give you whatever it is that you want. And you know the, probably the way the story goes. Solomon didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for the death of his enemies. He asked for wisdom. And apparently this was the right answer because God said, I will give you wisdom. And because you answered so wisely, I'll give you all these other things as well. So we have this idea of wisdom's value in story form. We actually also have fairly clear statements about it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs. We're going to be looking at scriptures from different parts of the Bible, but mostly we're going to be hanging out in Proverbs chapters 2 and 3. And the first passage I want to read to you comes from Proverbs 3, and this book is, of course, associated with Solomon. Here's one of my favorite statements about wisdom in all of scripture. Chapter 3 of Proverbs, verses 13 through 15. Here's what it says. Uh, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Some strong statements about wisdom. Now, it might be beneficial to pause and think again together about what wisdom is. I don't love spending too much time on this question because I feel like even if we had a perfect definition of wisdom, that wouldn't necessarily make us wiser. But it's helpful to think it through sometimes. Maybe you've heard wisdom described as the skill of living, right? Like it's the thing that helps you live well broadly. Like that's fine. It's not super descriptive. I found it helpful to think about wisdom as the ability to discern what is true and what to do. So in any given situation, I can think about all the truth, like what is reality from God on down, and I can think this through in such a way that I arrive at an answer to the question of what to do, and then I put that into practice. You've maybe heard it described, it's kind of like what Maggie said earlier, that wisdom is applied knowledge. I've got the knowledge, but I also know how to practice it. Maybe you've heard the saying that knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad, you know? That, that kind of fits. There's something to that. Now, I prefer to think about wisdom a little bit more concretely as what you need to know about that thing that you're wrestling with right now. Like, I think it's safe to say that every person who walked in here, there's something in your life that you wish you had a better grasp on, that you wish you had a little bit more insight on so that you could know the best thing to do and, and have the inner ability to put it into practice. And the categories tend to be fairly typical. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a work issue. Maybe it's a finances issue. Maybe it's a use of time issue. Right now, it might have something to do with with racial tensions. might have something to do with the virus. There's all sorts of things. And it's probably different for different ones of us. But you came in here, and if we were to ask you, what's the one thing you'd like to have a little bit more insight on, you could come up with, with, with an answer to that question. That thing that you're looking for in that area of your life, that's wisdom. And that's what the Bible says is more important than most of the things that are important to most people. Wisdom is valuable. I don't necessarily think it's super hard to see that this is true. Like wisdom is valuable. Why? Because because our choices matter. You ever think about the amount of choices that you make on a daily basis in a 24-hour period? I read somewhere recently, and I don't know all of the studies behind this, so don't quote me on these things, but they seem basically right. They say we breathe over 23,000 times a day. 
They say that our, 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 our uh, heart beats over 100,000 times, that our blood travels like over 150 million miles, that we exercise over 7 million brain cells. Again, I'm not a scientist, but those seem, you know, I'm sure the numbers are high. Do you know how many choices that you make on a daily basis? Nobody knows because there's no way to calculate that kind of thing. You think about the amount of things that we say no to without even thinking about it. You think about the blink decisions that we make. Just think about going to the grocery store. Next time you go to the grocery store or Walmart or whatever, if you go to Walmart, make sure you wear your mask now, I guess. But if wherever you go, like wherever you go in there, just want you to count the amount of cereals you see or the amount of soups you see or the amount of shampoos or the amount of toothpaste. Like the options that are available to us force us to make decisions all the stinking time. A lot of times we do this without thinking twice. Other times we give it more thought. Should I wear jeans or should I wear slacks? Should I eat eggs or should I eat pancakes? Should I wear a mask or should I not? Should I post my feelings about masks on Facebook or should I not? Probably not. Like we've all heard enough, you know. But we have these decisions to make and it's not just the number of decisions either. It's the fact that decisions have consequences. Actions have results. It's so simple, but I actually think a lot of the Proverbs, if you've hopefully spent some time maybe just reading through some Proverbs as we've been in this series, a lot of the statements are basically saying, if you do this, there's gonna be a consequence. I think about some like Proverbs 20, 13, which says, don't love sleep or you'll grow poor. Stay awake and you'll have food to spare. It's a good general principle. You work hard, you probably have some stuff. I think about another one that's really important for right now, Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Take that, speaking of Facebook, take that to the internet right now. You know what I'm saying? And even in our conversations, Maybe you've been involved in both kinds of conversations and you recognize that right now, if you speak into a situation with gentleness, more likely it contributes to the conversation. If you don't, more likely it shuts it down. If you don't think actions have consequences, just Google bad tattoos later on and you'll see what I mean. Viewer discretion is advised though. Actually, one more thing. I heard this about this years ago. I know we got a lot of educators and administrators in in our church here. So uh, word to the wise, I heard a number of years ago about a high school principal in Connecticut who was fired because she threw a cheeseburger at a student. So note to all of you involved in education, at some point in your time, you will be tempted to throw a cheeseburger at a student. But if you give in to this temptation, you will probably lose your job, right? Like actions have consequences, you get the point. They say that uh, it's like we make our choices and then our choices make us, and I think that that's generally true. But a lot of the messes that we're in today And a lot of our inability to have conversations that are beneficial today probably result from a lot of terrible decisions that have been made up to this point. But but what do you say? At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter for you how convinced I might be that our, our decisions matter. It really doesn't even matter how convinced Solomon or Jesus was that wisdom is valuable. What do you say? What do you think? Like how badly do you want to be a wise person? How high on your list of priorities is wisdom? If, ask yourself the question honestly, if God came to you and said, I will give you whatever it is you want, just tell me, what would you say? And where would wisdom fall on your list? This kind of takes us to the second point, which itself is also fairly simple, but critically important. To grow in wisdom, we must ask for wisdom. We must ask for it. Let's practice. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, uh, you know, you can cover your mouth if you need to. Just say, can I have some wisdom? Just go ahead, say it right now. Can I have some wisdom? Yeah, like, just ask for it, right? That at the end of the day, that, that's, that's what you gotta do if you want to get wisdom. Now, this isn't necessarily what comes natural to many of us. It's a little bit counterintuitive. 
Like I'm a red-blooded American, you know? Like I want to go get it. I wanna, if, if, we, if something is valuable, how can I make sure that I position myself in such a way that I can go grasp it? And that's actually good, but it's not first. Because what comes first is you got to ask for it. This is what we learn from Proverbs. This is what we learn from Solomon's story. How did he get wisdom? He asked for it. This is what we see in the passage that Matt just read a little bit ago from uh, Proverbs chapter two, just flipping over the page of verses three through six. Look at what it says. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Look at this, verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Maybe when we talk about asking for wisdom, some of you are familiar with and are thinking about James chapter one, verse five, which says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. This is very simple, but very important. It's like other things that are just, it's just the way it works. If you wanna be a clean person, you gotta take a shower on a regular basis, okay? If you wanna have a clean mouth, you gotta brush your teeth twice a day. It's just how it works. If you don't wanna be embarrassed when you walk out of the house, you gotta put clothes on. Like there are some things that are just basic in life. And if you want to grow in wisdom, you gotta ask for wisdom. So do you ask for wisdom every single day? Do you? I'd imagine most of you do. Good, keep it up. If you don't, like why not? Why not do what, like, there's not, God does not give a lot of guarantees in the Bible, not nearly as many as I would like for him to. But this is a promise. If you ask wisdom, God, who is generous to all without finding fault, will give you what you ask for. James 1 promises wisdom to those who ask. Now, not immediately. It's not like you can just snap your finger and wisdom is there. It's not like, it's not like downloading a program. It's not like you just hit a button and then the wisdom comes. Speaking of which, let's get to the third thing. To grow in wisdom, we must pursue wisdom. We must go after it. We must go hard after it. Come back again to Proverbs chapter two and notice some of the ways in which this process is described. It says, uh, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Look at these verbs. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Matter of fact, this reminds me of where James continues after he tells us to ask for wisdom. Looking over at James, I'll read it. You can just listen in. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. We looked at that earlier and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, I gotta be honest with you about this, this passage right here. This, this next part of James 1. This was, a, this was a big discouragement to me for a long time because I think I misunderstood what he was saying. When it says that you should ask for wisdom and you'll get it, but if you ask, you have to believe and not doubt. I thought what this meant was, and maybe you would too, I thought that this was talking about like a mental thing. Like if I ask for it, I have to have total inner perfect certainty about God being real and being willing to give it to me. And if there's an ounce of me that wonders, then it's not gonna work. That's how I understood this. Let me be clear. I do not think that that's what this is saying. I don't think when he talks about believing and not doubting, he's talking about, I have no doubts whatsoever. I'm totally bought in on all of this. That's not where most of us live most of the time. And if we try to get there, we'll probably end up lying to ourselves and making things worse. What he's talking about when he says believe and not doubt is less of a mental thing and it's more of a, am I ready to put into practice? 
what he tells me when I ask for wisdom. It's doubt about whether wisdom from God can be trusted. It's a hesitation to obey the things that he communicates when he gives me what I've asked for. And I think the reason why uh, receiving wisdom from God requires that we not be double-minded and unstable in this way is that it really is less like downloading a program and it's more like learning a skill. If you've ever learned or taught someone a skill, it could be anything, swinging a baseball bat, playing a piano, writing a lesson plan. Like it doesn't matter how much wisdom the teacher has if the student isn't putting into practice what the teacher says. The teacher could be literally like the wisest person in the world with respect to the development of this particular skill. But if the student isn't doing what the teacher says, then the passing of wisdom cannot take place. That I think is what James is getting at. And that's this aspect of pursuing wisdom is I'm gonna go get it with everything in me and then when I receive even just a tiny little bit, I'm gonna put that into practice right away. Because as per learning anything hard, you have to want it so bad that you will stop at nothing to get it. You cannot just hope. We cannot just hope wisdom happens. Some lessons we learn the hard way, no question. And there's a sense in which the older we grow, if we're paying any kind of attention, the more we grow in wisdom. But man, you cannot just drift into genuine wisdom. You gotta go get it. You gotta pursue it. Let me make something clear on this. Wisdom is, is found in Jesus, we, we know this to be true from experience and from Colossians 2, chapter 3, that says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, are found in him. And we have Jesus if you're a believer in Jesus. So it's not that wisdom is something that's inaccessible to you. We have Jesus, and in Jesus is all the wisdom. But notice the metaphor. It says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. This is a metaphor of, of treasure quest, right? Of going and finding something that is valuable, of putting in the effort necessary to go get it. So what I think Colossians is saying alongside James and Proverbs is that what you need is not something other than what you already have, Jesus. What you need is more of what's in what you already have. Are you tracking what I'm saying? You understand what I mean? Like what we need is not more than the wisdom that Jesus brings. What we need is more of the wisdom that Jesus brings. And apparently you will end up with just as much wisdom from Jesus as you want. Apparently, we'll end up with just as much wisdom from Jesus as we pursue. You gotta want it. You gotta want wisdom like a starving child wants bread, like a newlywed longs for her lover's embrace. You gotta want wisdom like a bird yearns for air or like Mark Christian yearns for hair. Can I get an amen? You gotta crave wisdom like a newborn baby craves milk, like a, like a parched dog pants for a bowl of water, like a cat wants to rule the world, like a mom of teenagers wants your children to just make it through these years without screwing up their lives before it starts. That's how much you gotta want it, and we could keep going, but you get the point. The question today is not, are you wise? As soon as you say yes to that question, you probably ought to worry. The question today is a much more interesting and important one. Are you growing in wisdom, and you're growing in wisdom to the extent and the degree that you pursue it. You know, when I was talking to Elijah about this message, we both preaching in this series, and so we were talking about some of the different directions that we were gonna go, and, and I mentioned, you know, I'm talking about the pursuit of wisdom, the importance of wanting it and going and getting it, and he says to me, are you gonna tell your Socrates story? And I'm thinking, what am I, your grandfather? Like, you know all my stories now, you know? 
And I'm thinking, I said to him, well, I wasn't, but I certainly am going to now. So you probably heard this before, apparently, but I don't care. It's one of my favorite stories. So there's this apocryphal story. I don't think it really happened. I've not been able to find it in like old Greek literature, but there's a Greek philosopher, Socrates. You probably heard his name. And he was a very wise person. A lot of times people would come to him seeking wisdom. Pretty strong guy too, physically. And one time this young, young punk comes up to him and says to him, oh, great and wise Socrates, I come to you seeking knowledge and wisdom. And Socrates knows the punk when he sees him, and he's annoyed by this, but he wants to engage the kid, and he says, I know just what you need. And so he leads him out to this body of water and walks down into this, like, pond, probably about chest high or so, and he stands behind this young kid, puts his hand on the back of his neck, and says, son, what do you want? Kid says, I want knowledge. He throws him down into the water, holds him down there for probably, like, 30 seconds, raises him back up. He's just, like, you know, trying to get air, trying to breathe. He says, what do you want? Figures he gave the wrong answer, so he says, uh, wisdom, throws him back down into the water, holds him down there for like 30, 40, 45 seconds, does this a couple of times, last time holds him down for about a solid minute, raises him back up, and as soon as the kid comes out of the water, he says, air, I just want air. And Socrates says, there's the lesson. When you want knowledge as badly as you just wanted air, oh, you'll have knowledge. When you want to be wise as badly as you just wanted to breathe, you will be wise. Wisdom is there, y'all, or I should say it's here in the Lord. We just got to want it so bad we won't stop at anything to get it. And if we're not, if you're not growing in wisdom, the problem's not with wisdom. If you're not growing in wisdom, the problem is not your context. The problem is not your family or your history or your geographical location. I'm not talking about are you wise. Maybe your current level of wisdom has something to do with what's happened to and around you. But whether you're growing in wisdom from the point where you currently stand to the next point where you need to go, whether you're growing in wisdom has nothing to do with these things. The problem then is not out there. It's in here. It's a me problem. It's a you problem. I'm not trying to get up all in your faces and I'm not trying to scold you. It's very rarely wise to be rude, but the world is depending on every single one of us growing in wisdom. Do you believe that? Do you hear that call? Do you see that need? Maybe now more than ever? Do we care? Look, life is complex. Nobody's disputing that. And wisdom, it comes slow. You can microwave a hot dog in under a minute. If you want to grill a beautiful steak, it's going to take a little bit longer, a little bit more attention, a little bit more work. Life is complex, but the pursuit of wisdom is really not. And there's, there's almost a part of me that wishes I was out of time because I don't know if it's even that helpful for me to lay out here are what I think are the steps to grow in wisdom. Because at the end of the day, let's say, let's play this out. Let's say I give you some formula that works perfectly for you and you walk out thinking, I know how to grow in wisdom. You know what's not necessarily gonna happen? That you grow in wisdom. What's most important really isn't that you have a process. What's most important is that you decide in your mind in this moment, I don't know what it's gonna take, but I'm gonna do whatever it takes because that's what matters. And at the end of the day, while life is complex, again, I don't think the pursuit of wisdom particularly is. You just ask the Lord for wisdom, and then you think as hard as you can with Scripture leading the way, and then you put into practice whatever it is you can come up with the best you can in the moment. You stay humble, and you repeat. It's that simple. Ask, think, act, repeat. That's how it works. That's the process of growing in wisdom. And all the while, when you don't feel on top of the process when you're not sure where to go next, when you have no idea how all of this is supposed to play out in terms of the problem that's right in front of you, when it seems like it's not working, that's when you have to remember that wisdom is worth the work necessary to get wisdom. 
one of the wisest teachers I've ever known, and I only knew him from a distance, is a man named Dallas Willard. Wrote a number of books on a number of themes, and just before he passed away, in one of his last books, he said something that has always stuck with me. And what he said or wrote in that book was this. He says, the prospering of God's cause on earth depends upon his people thinking well. I think that is true. And I think that is terrifying. I don't know why God entrusts so much to us. I only know that this challenge to pursue wisdom is our birthright. No, our birth responsibility. Are we up for it? Am I? Are you? Father God, we ask for wisdom because that's what you tell us to do because we want it. We want to know the right thing to do and we want to have the inner strength to put it into practice and we want to be people who can help others do the same. Help us to lean into this desire. Help us to do whatever we can today and tomorrow and the day after that. But we start right now by asking for wisdom and we ask for the power of your spirit to, to, to fill us and enable us to put into practice whatever it is we might learn from you right now. And of course, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.